0: The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News Team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded February 25th, 2021. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to the March edition of Life in the Tax Lane, the spring edition. Joe, Hugh, how are you doing this fine day?
2: March means personal tax season (laughs) is almost upon us. And that means the last one's finally over.
3: Oh, I hope. (laughs) All those extensions last year, hard to figure out which end is up. But anyways, uh, we do have 10 minutes of solid material right now, so we're just Mm going to get jumping into that. And I wanted to start off with a little bit of a relief measure that the federal government has uh, just released, and it has to do with interest relief. So the bottom line here is if you have a taxable income of less than $75,000, and you have also received a special COVID benefit, which includes uh, CERB, CRB, the Caregiver benefit, sickness benefit, EI, some provincial payments. If you've received basically any of these things, even if it's one single payment here and you fit within that 75K category, you don't have to pay your tax bill by the end of April this year. You've got till the end of next April of 2022 without having to pay any extra interest on it. Now, keep in mind, you still have to file your return by this April. It's not a filing extension. It's only a payment extension. Mm -hmm. Caitlin, Hugh.
2: Well, wouldn't that be great, Joe, that you realize you get the extension so you don't file on time? You don't have to pay your 5% arrears interest, but you file a year late and get a 17% late filing penalty. I think the one that's going to be tough to remember is EI gets me into this, because that's really not what we think of when we think of COVID benefits. So. We got to keep an eye on that, Kate. What are we going to do around the firm for these?
1: Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, this is a fire a payment extension for only some of our clients. Not all of our clients get it. So we got to make sure the information that we are disseminating is correct for the proper individual. Just because you got served benefits doesn't mean you get this extension. You need that taxable income being 75k or less. Um, but you know what? Let's continue on. Uh, CERB benefits. This is another one we're getting a lot of questions on. What about those clients uh, that got CERB in 2020, maybe got it inappropriately and repaid part of it in 2020? How do we deal with that for tax purposes? What if we got it in 2020, didn't repay it until 2021? Well, I think um, the overarching kind of moral here is it's all taxed on a cash basis. You pay tax in the year you receive it. In the year you repay it, that's where you get the deduction. Now, I got to say, as we've started kind of thinking about a personal tax season, we're starting to see these T4As, T4Es be issued to our clients. And unfortunately, we are seeing issues come up on them. I've seen a number of them where we have individuals who have repaid their SERB benefits in 2020. But the T4A or T4E does not reflect that repayment. So what do we do in that case? CRA has said, you know, simply call us and we'll try and figure out what, what's going on. We'll figure out where that payment went. We've seen in at least one case one of the payments uh, was misallocated to the installment, uh, to the installment payment rather than the SERB. Uh, so those type of issues should probably be dealt with sooner rather than later. Joe, you know, other issues you're seeing on these SERB, these SERB yeah. benefits?
3: You know, I think one of the other thing is sometimes we're just surprised with the t four a we never even applied to start off with. Well, you know what? That's probably a sign that a fraud was committed and somebody grabbed the cash using your social insurance number. So we're seeing a surprising number of those go out. So again, that's another situation where you want to follow up with the CRA. keep your eyes peeled there. Hugh yeah. thoughts?
2: Oh, tons of issues with the CERB. And uh, we know there were some issues early on that people didn't understand who was entitled to apply. and, The self-employed were pretty irate about that when they figured out, wait a minute, I had gross income more than five grand, net less. Maybe I even got bad intel up front phoning CRA. We know there were some issues there, but now you're going to make me repay it. Well, February 9th, the government came out and said, you know what? It was net. It was always supposed to be net. But yeah, we kind of botched the communication rollout there. You might have made an honest error and claimed. Now you're in a bind. The government's going to have your back. We've heard that phrase a lot, haven't we? Uh, we're not going to make you repay it if you would have qualified based on your gross rather than net income being over 5000 Well, what if I already repaid it? Then we're going to give it back. Well, that was what was in the news release. But in the press release, the question was posed, uh, what if I didn't apply, but I would have qualified based on gross? Or... I didn't apply for the later periods when it was made clear it was net income. Do I get to apply now? No. If you didn't collect it in error, then you don't get to collect it now. So depending on your point of view, this might have been a pro or a con decision by the federal government. Uh, we'll see what comes next. But for those who are in a bind with that 14000 they received and were worried about having to pay it back, pretty good news for them.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Now, Joe,
3: how are you gonna pay for all these benefits? You know, Caitlin, there's one question that we all get on a daily basis, I think, and whether you're a financial planner, accountant, whatever is, uh, when and are they ever gonna change the capital gains inclusion rate from 50%? I mean, that's a huge question we've seen a couple articles recently, it's all, all over the news, um, you know, talking about this. We've got one from Jamie Gollenbeck where he's quoting a uh, Fraser Institute report, and, and maybe let's just mention a couple items from that. Uh, first of all, they mention that approximately uh, of those earn, basically 77% of capital gains are experienced by those who are um, earning at least $150,000. So they're the true beneficiaries of them. You know, that's the starting off point. But then the, the report points out, but those those numbers are a little bit misleading and they're misleading because of the nature of capital gains. They're often lumpy. For example, you're selling your business, you sell it once every 20 years. You might be earning $50,000 a year, but the year you sell your business, well, you've got $400,000 because you've sold your business and it just so happens that's the year that you've got the capital gain. So we've sort of got an artificial connection because you're sort of artificially pu- pushed up into a higher category there. Um, so, so so, they say the numbers are a bit misleading and they say that, you know, if you were to take out those, those types of uh, transactions, um, then what we're really looking at is about a 48% number. So 48% of the gains experienced by those uh, with over $150,000. Still very significant, um, but that's where we start off with. Um, The the, the report also compared some uh, U.S. and uh, Canadian uh, taxable uh, uh, capital gains rates, noticing that uh, in Canada, uh, Nova Scotia, our highest rate province, 27%. U.S., 20%. But the problem is that doesn't include the state taxes. And when you include state taxes, for example, in California, we're up about 10% higher than even Nova Scotia. So many issues there. Caitlin, Hugh, any thoughts on any of these? You know,
1: Joe, one of the things that we've referenced on many occasions, former fi- former finance minister Bill Morneau had said, you know what, we're not include- increasing the capital gain inclusion rate. So a lot of us, you know, thought about that for a while, but he is now our former finance minister. We have a new finance minister, Freeland, who is there. And also the economy, the world uh, in 2021 is very different from what we were dealing with in 2019 pre-pandemic. So I think that's why a lot of these uh, discussions are happening with more frequency.
2: You also got a minority government Mm -hmm. with an NDP that included a 75 percent inclusion rate in their platform, probably holding the balance of power most days.
3: Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Great point. Caitlin, though, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. side there.
1: Yeah, they're also contending with, you know, how are we going to raise funds to pay for all these stimulus packages, pay for these support packages. So we've referenced a Globe and Mail article where they go through and talk about proposals, promises, discussions that the Biden administration has had, especially in the run up to the U.S. election. Uh, So what we might see down there, uh, perhaps increasing the income tax rate. For U.S. persons whose worldwide income exceeds 400000 an increase from 37% to 39.6. Another big uh, possibility would be lowering of the U.S. estate tax exemption limit from the existing is about $11.5 million now, way down to about $3.5 million. So that could hit a lot of um, individuals or their estates when they pass away. Uh, so a few things to keep in mind on the U.S. side.
2: Wow, yep. hope they didn't throw out the red line version of their old income tax act, because it sounds like a lot of this is just going to put it back the way it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about getting some free money from the government? We had a huge letter campaign. Apparently, this happens every year from the government, where they send letters out to some uh, middle-aged individuals who might have a disability saying, how come you don't have a registered disability savings plan? Because up until the year when you turn 49, you can get government bonds even if you don't have money to kick in. Now you gotta be pretty low income to qualify. It starts getting ground down at just over 30,000 of income. But if they're over age 18, that's the disabled person's income. If they're very low income, the thousand bucks means a lot and they can get it. They can look back up to 10 years. If they can afford some contributions, they can get some nice matching grants, kind of modeled on the registered education savings plan. So if you've got a disabled family member or friend, are they aware of these plans? Do they have it set up? They should. And I think that's all we got time for this March.
0: The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. The preceding information is for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Video
3: Tax Views Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.